Indeed, how great is our God. Thinking tonight of John 4 and verse 24, that we're taught that God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. As we've assembled tonight to do that very thing, thankful for your attendance, thankful to pray with Brother George, and what an uplifting thing to hear brethren affirm the prayer with an amen. Grateful that we could sing tonight. Thank you, Stanley, as we sing songs of praise unto our Father. In Hebrews 2 and verse 12, we are reminded in the midst of the church, Well, I sing praise unto thee. So I went back a few rows and sat in the midst. If I sit on the front row, I feel like I'm singing into a wall. I wanted to sit back a little bit further, and thankful that I did. I got to sit by Ben Bailey. It's a thrill to sit next to a TV star, I just have to tell you that. <laughs> and uh, he'll get me for that one, So. But anyway, grateful for your attendance as I was standing back greeting, greeting many of you. And if you got by me, I'm sorry. I hope to make up for it when you leave tonight. And I'm standing with Brother Stanley Clendenin. And Stanley said, my, look at this line that keeps coming in. He said, I like to see that. I said, I do too, because I don't owe money to any of them. And that I'm grateful. Let me ask you a question. For what are you searching? You know, I surveyed people recently through a Facebook post, just simply asked a question, what are you looking for? The vast majority of answers, I started grouping them together. I had a mixture of several different answers, but there were two that stood out. And the two that stood out, looking for peace and looking and longing for heaven. Tonight, I'd like for you and I to think about something that will give us peace with the aim of a home in heaven. As I thought on this theme given by your elders, for what are you searching? It's interesting to just go back through the Bible and go and do a search of texts that deal with searching, seeking, and along that same line of someone diligently looking, as the psalmist in Psalm 77, verse 6, that his spirit made diligent search after he communed with his heart. But as I thought of this verse here, and I thought it would be appropriate tonight by way of introduction of John 5 and verse 44, when Jesus asked the question, How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only. Here are individuals who were seeking for the honor of men and not the honor that would come from God and God only. Tonight as we think about for what are you searching, from the outset, let's seek that peace, let's long for heaven, but make certain we're seeking the honor that comes from God only. When it comes to my salvation, I have learned that it's easier if I'm seeking the honor that comes from God only concerning salvation rather than an honor that may come from man. Which means I want to turn back into God's holy book, the Bible, And I want to look and I want to see what the Bible has to say concerning searching for salvation. 
I want you to go with me to a dark dungeon in the New Testament. Two of our brethren are in that dungeon by the name of Paul and Silas. And if you'll take your swords of the Spirit and go to Acts 16, I want you to notice tonight what I like to refer to as the five ands in Acts 16. As we answer the question, for what are you searching? Are you searching for salvation? The honor that would come from God only. And tonight we go back in this evening down to a very dark dungeon to where Paul and Silas are there with others. And the keeper of the prison is there. And a great earthquake happens. And the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep. And I reckon I would have too. Now first, right off the bat, you have to wonder what the keeper was doing to sleep. But nevertheless, when the prison doors was open, he was ready to take his life. Because according to law, he was going to have to pay the price if they escaped. Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. We're here. Don't do any harm to yourself. He called for a light. He sprang in. He came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And now by way of introduction, the first and. And brought them out. He brought them out. Here is a man that pitched them in and now he's going to plead with them. Here is a man that had control but now he no longer has control. Here is a man that was concerned with death but he is soon to find Life and brought them out and said, The question that if you're searching for salvation, this is where you got to go. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What is a question? Must is a necessity. I is personal. Do, something's got to happen. To, aim that way. Be, a total change. And saved, the opposite of lost, and only through Jesus Christ. It's the greatest question that could ever be asked. And the greatest answer is to follow. For the next few moments, I want you to look at the body of this with me. There are three ands. And then when we come to a conclusion, there is the final end for you and I to consider tonight. It's interesting how the word and always will join things together. Sometime back, I lost my wedding band. And I was miserable. I didn't like it. I had lost some weight. And in the colder weather, the hands get chilly and that ring slipped off my finger. And uh, I'd lost it. And I told Renita, I said, I've looked everywhere. I said, I've looked in bags because I was delivering some food that day. I even called one of our deacons to whom I was taking some food to his wife and his children who'd been battling some illness. And I said, Andy, I think I'd, that ring could have fallen off my hand in the yard. Just be on the lookout. 
I went back to the Sonic where I had stopped. I, I had no luck, couldn't find that ring. Well, sometime after that, Renita was reading something, and she said, why don't we get ourselves two new wedding bands? And you can't see that from here. If you can, more power to you. But you will find her fingerprint on one side, my fingerprint on the other, and in the middle we have what they call the ampersand, the and symbol. She got on to me. She told me, she said, look how my finger makes all those pretty little circles and yours is just straight. <laughs> That's all right. I'm unique in the eyes of God, Psalm 142.4. But you see, that and right there represents that I am joined to Renita. Several of you have asked about Renita and uh, she, uh, she's unable to make a lot of meetings with me. She says that her concept of a vacation is not sitting in a hotel by day and listening to me to preach the same sermons by night. But I love her anyway. That and is important to me. And joins it together. That word and is important because it joins together words and phrases and makes them strong. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Number one, and they said. What did they say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. He asked a question. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he was ready because of the urgency when he asked that question he expected to hear an answer. He was listening to find out what he should do to be saved. And when he asked that question, there's no doubt with the urgency and the question and on his knees and trembling, I mean, he had had a night. And when he asked the question, what must I do to be saved? And they said... He was ready to hear. We're in a day and age where sometimes we fail to hear. Think about it. In the time of Christ in Matthew 15, 10, Jesus in teaching, He said, hear and understand. What I'm about to say to you, hear it and understand what I'm going to say. In John 6 and verse 45, Jesus said, It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and, there's that joining again, hath learned of the Father, cometh unto me. Later in John chapter 9 of the blind man, in John chapter 9, dropping down to about verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast that blind man out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Do you believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Who is he? I need to hear more about whom I am to believe on. Stretched out on that road toward Gaza, which is desert, there's a eunuch sitting there. He's an intelligent man. The queen has entrusted her riches with him. He is conscientious and he knows how to travel the road. He is returning from Jerusalem after worshiping. 
He is conscientious of wanting to know more about God. He's sitting in the chariot. He's reading the book of Isaiah. And Philip ran to that chariot and asked him in Acts chapter 8 about verses 30 and 31, do you understand what you read? And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? Let me hear what I need to hear. In Acts the second chapter in verse 37, when they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? There's a question to which they wanted an answer, and they needed to hear the answer. When the jailer asked, What must I do to be saved? He asked a question, and he was ready to hear the answer. And when he heard, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, and your house He moved from hearing and now he's going to move into believing because he's heard what he asked and now he's going to learn about belief. In John chapter 8 verse 24 Jesus taught the importance of believing in him except you believe that I am he you shall die in your sins. John, the inspired writer in John 20, 30, and 31, said that there are many other things that were written in that Jesus did which were not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe on Jesus Christ. You may believe that He is Jesus the Christ, the Lord, and that believing you might have life through His name. He's saying these are written that you can believe. Now watch that and again, kind friends. And that believing you might have life through his name. And they said. Speaks a lot of volume in Acts chapter 16 and verse 31. He heard the importance of believing. But it doesn't stop at verse 31. The second and. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. Why did they speak the word of the Lord to him and to all that were in his house? Because they wanted him to understand what it meant to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ And he knew he needed to believe, and he was listening, he was hearing. Now notice at this point, they spake unto him the word of the Lord. That was the authority we talked about last evening, the word that Jesus would speak. Same will judge us in the last day, John 12, 48. But what what was the word of the Lord up to this point? When people inquired, searching for salvation, what else did they hear? Did they hear, just believe, and it stopped right there? Well, if that's the case, then there's a lot of things we need to undo. But you know what? We seek the honor that cometh from God only, so we're not going to undo what God has already done. Through Christ, the Word of the Lord, 
The Lord said in Luke 13 and verse 3, Nay, I tell you, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. On that day of Pentecost, just a few chapters back, when they asked men and brethren, What shall we do? Peter answered and said unto them, the first word out of his mouth, Repent. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It even goes on further around Acts 2 verse 40. 41, many other words did he testify and exhort saying save yourselves. His sermon didn't stop at Acts 2, 38 and 39 the best we could tell. There were many other words that he testified and exhort. But I can tell you this without a shadow of doubt in my heart or mind or my faith. Whatever many other words he said, he was guided from God through the Son who sent the Spirit that guided them into all truth and what they said was of necessity. And I know that with many other words, when they spake unto him the word of the Lord in Acts 16, they had to deal with the subject of repentance in order for him to properly believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He was going to need to make a change in his life. And just one chapter later in Acts 17 on Mars Hill, what was one of the themes that Paul preached defending quote, in quote, to them the unknown God. Now, the days of this ignorance God winked at, but now hath He commanded all men everywhere to repent. When this man heard to believe on Jesus Christ, he needed to understand repentance because our Savior proclaimed repentance. You can't miss that. You know, I don't know anybody would disagree that you don't need to hear God's plan, God's word. You don't need to believe it and you don't need to repent. I don't know of anybody sincere seeking the honor that comes from God only that would disagree with that. But when they spake to him the word of the Lord, what else did the word of the Lord say up to this point? Well, I can recall in Matthew 10, 32 and 33 that Jesus instructed that whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. But if we deny him before men, he'll deny us before his Father which is in heaven. There's something of confessing Christ that's vitally important. If we don't believe that, consider John 12, 42 and 43 of those that did believe on Christ. But the Bible said they did not confess Him lest they be cast out of the synagogue. What was the problem? They were seeking honor that came from men and not honor that came from God. They might have believed, but it's evident there that that belief was not enough. They failed to confess Him. I know a lot of people that will believe in God, never darken the door of a church building, never acknowledge Him in service in His name. Also think about that same eunuch we mentioned moments ago. He made a confession. He did confess the same as Peter did on the coast of Caesarea Philippi, modern-day Tiberias. 
to where he stood there and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that's the same confession that eunuch made as he learned of what the man Philip, how he guided him in the Scripture. He learned about Jesus Christ. So what do I have in verse 32? And what are we building on? They spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And they spake. Now what have I seen so far in this brief discussion? I understand that if I'm searching for salvation that I can never underestimate the power and the necessity of hearing about the one in whom I am to believe. And in the one to whom I am to believe, Jesus Christ, he taught of the necessity of repentance, something that I must do, and the best way I could define it, it is a matter of decision that changes my direction. And he taught of confessing him as the Son of God. Now, you know, when I sit and I look at those, I don't know of anyone that would seek the honor that cometh from God only that would disagree with the importance of what we've just said. But may I give you the second and in the body, our third and tonight. And he took them. 33. He took them the same hour of the night. He washed their stripes. He addressed the beating that they had taken. But I notice another key and. The same hour of that night. And was baptized. He and all his. Straightway or immediately. Now that's of interest. Preacher, I knew you were going to get to baptism if you're preaching in a church of Christ. Kind friend, listen to me. I don't preach baptism because I'm standing in the church of Christ. I preach baptism because baptism is taught in the Bible and it is my plea that every church of Christ will follow the Bible. Therefore, I cannot take away what God has placed an and in there. The same hour of the night they were baptized, the word of the Lord taught that in that evening. Let the Lord speak. In Mark 16 and verse 16, Jesus said, after we would preach the gospel, he that believeth and, there's a joining word, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. If he doesn't believe, there's no, if he doesn't believe, there's no need to baptize him. I can take an atheist, I can take a person that doesn't believe in God, I can immerse them. I'm going to put down a dry center and I'm going to bring up a wet center. Doesn't do a bit of good. I can take any four-year-old little boy and I can take him and, you know, growing up, how many, don't raise your hands, but how many of us, quote-unquote, played church? And, of course, you know, you, you, you 
actually did what you watched older folks do. You weren't disrespectful. You knew the importance. But yet we as children, we didn't understand everything. I can take a four-year-old and I can be in a small little outdoor swimming pool in decent apparel and I can immerse him and pull him up and just toy with him. And you know what he's going to say? Here's going to be his confession. Do again. Do again. You see, he doesn't understand. I mentioned repentance a while ago. Here's the best illustration I could use. One Wednesday night after Bible study, I'm greeting people and I look, and there are children here, children there. I love it when children come on the pulpit. I never want a child to be afraid of the pulpit. And I want, I want them to know this is, a, this is a place that loves them. But there was one little boy sitting right over there on the road. Carter's his name. He's sitting on the front row right there. Now when I see children moving and going and I see one sitting, I know something's up. And I walked over to him and I said, Carter, what you doing? He said, I'm in time out. I said, did you do wrong? Yes, sir. Do you understand you did wrong? Yes, sir. Are you sorry? Yes, sir. Are you willing to repent? Silence. Do you know why? He didn't understand repentance. If he doesn't understand repentance, folks, he's not going to understand what baptism is. He that believeth. What point was this eunuch, I'm sorry, the jailer at in his life? He was believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. He was believing the word of the Lord. He was believing repentance. He was believing confession. He heard it. He was listening. And I will share with you, he also heard of the word of the Lord about baptism, not only because our Lord commanded it in Mark 16, 16, but they were baptizing on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And the eunuch was baptized in Acts chapter 8. And those in Samaria were baptized in Acts chapter 8. And there is no doubt that he would have not been baptized unless it had been taught to him by the word of the Lord. And I want you to notice something very interesting. That same hour he was baptized. He did not delay it. And if you go back and look in Acts 2, that same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. When that eunuch said, here is water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? In Acts chapter 8 and verse 36, they commanded that chariot to stand still and he and Philip went down into the water and he was baptized. He did not wait till he got back to Queen Candace and said, oh, let me tell you what I've learned and I want you here and I want everybody else here. And let me tell you something, church. Listen to me carefully. We need to be real, real careful of getting into a mode of booking baptisms. Are you with me? Somebody says, Jeff, I want to be baptized. Wonderful. Let's go. Well, no, wait a minute. I want my mama here and my daddy here and my second cousin once removed and my brother-in-law. Whoa, time out, time out. If you understand its urgency, and in the New Testament you will find urgency at every point of salvation. Then you do what you need to do. You do it immediately. You don't wait and I will make you a promise. They will be just as thrilled and just as happy when they hear about it than if they'd have been there live. 
I mean, I've never come across somebody yet. Look, why? You didn't invite me to your baptism. Well, how dare you? That ain't going to work. Well, nobody does that. And if we do, they're not the only ones that need to be on the front row. So what do we have here? Folks, when I look throughout the Scripture and I see the Word of the Lord speaks of that a person is not a new creation until they are baptized into Christ and raised to walk in newness of life, then I can't make them new because if I do, I'm not seeking the honor that comes from God only. If a person can be saved outside of Christ and baptized later, then I understand baptism puts a person into Christ according to Galatians 3.27 and Romans 6, 3 and 4. I can't seek the honor that comes from God only and quote-unquote save a person here and put them in Christ later because now I'm saving them outside of Christ and nobody is saved outside the body or the church of Christ. I can't seek the honor that comes from God only. Now watch with me. I love the souls of men. Hearing, understanding, believing on Christ, the idea of repentance, confession, man, I can get un- I can get unanimity all the way around the board. I can get folks, but man, when you come to baptism, it is like opening up a can of worms. But I'm not worried about the can of worms that I may open. I am concerned about the hearts of men that are open that need to know who are who's asking the question, for what are you searching? I'm searching for salvation. Here it is quite simple tonight. If a person is searching for salvation and a person wishes to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, all we ask is that you hear or listen to what you need to do and that stands true in anything of life. Believe it. Believe it on Christ with His teaching of repentance and confession. And to be baptized into Christ this very hour. For sins to be washed away, Acts twenty two sixteen. For sins to be remitted, Acts 2, verse 38. Again, to put on Christ, Galatians three twenty seven, And the list can go on. Now that's what you do to obey the gospel of Christ. Now if we fail to make that decision, and we know that we need to, we stand in danger of losing our souls. But if you're searching for salvation... That's the simplicity of the answer. But I got one more and left. Actually, there are two or three more there in verse 34. But, and when he had brought them into his house, he set me before them. But here's what I want us to see. And rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. He was reckoning out of jail, he's rejoicing in his freedom. He rejoiced with all his house. Christians rejoice. Their houses and within them those that are saved rejoice. When one is a child of God, there's a life of rejoicing. You know, we talked about the eunuch a while ago, Acts chapter 8, 39 and 40. When he came up out of the water, the spirit caught Philip away, but the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. I love the word rejoicing 
It's joy done all over again. Re, rejoicing. We rejoice. Why do we rejoice? Remember when we started tonight and I talked about the survey that I did? What are you looking for? Two top answers. Peace and heaven. That's why you rejoice. There's a peace of mind. Sins are washed away. Sins are taken away. Remission of sins. There's no... A lot of great joys I have as a preacher in, in many other sense, in many other cases, the sense of the word. When someone lets me know, Jeff, I went for a checkup and my cancer is in remission. It's gone. It, it, it's going the other way. Parallel that with Acts 2.38. Remission of sins. That spiritual cancer called sin is gone. Oh, don't you just love the great physician and his prescription? We rejoice. Now, I want to shift this question to you, brother, sister in the Lord. It's a gospel meeting time, time of revival. Let me ask you something. Are you still rejoicing in your life as a Christian? You know, when we're raised to walk in a newness of life, that means that we walk new. The outward man will perish, but the inward man is renewed day by day, 2 Corinthians 4.14. We're also reminded how that in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, if you then be risen with Christ, you seek the things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. See, we have a different direction. Romans 12 and verse 2, or going back to verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Watch now, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Are you allowing the world to wear you down? Do you find that you're going back more into the world than you are a light of the world? Dear brother, dear sister, are you still rejoicing? Are you searching for salvation in the sense of that you need a renewed life, a refreshed life? We're reminded that if we confess our faults one to another and pray one for another, we'll be healed, according to James 5.16. Effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. John wrote in 1 John 2, My little children, I write these things unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm grateful he's my advocate. Grateful he's my intercessor. He's my physician. He's my savior. He has saved me through obedience to his will. So dear brother or dear sister, if we need to assist you in your renewal of your walk with Christ tonight. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. We've answered the question tonight and if you're searching for salvation, we've done our very best with God's Word to give you an answer. If you wish to accept that answer tonight and obey the gospel of Christ or come back and ask for prayers of your fellow saints, we bid you to do so now as we stand together and as we sing.